0: Hello, and welcome to the latest podcast from the Lancet Gastroenterology and Apathology. I'm Gavin Cleaver, and today I'll be talking to Dr. James Lindsay, the author of a new paper on stem cell transplantation and treatment refractory Crohn's disease. Dr. Lindsay, please will you introduce yourself?
1: So, uh, my name is James Lindsay. I'm a consultant gastroenterologist and lead for inflammatory bowel disease at the Royal London Hospital, uh, Barts Health, and I'm also a reader in inflammatory bowel disease at the Blizzard Institute, uh, which is part of Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry.
0: Dr. Lindsay, please could you set the stage by telling us a little bit about the patient population you studied and their current treatment
1: options? Yeah, so we were looking at a group of patients with treatment refractory Crohn's disease. So Crohn's disease is a chronic inflammatory condition of the uh, intestines affecting anywhere from the mouth to the anus. Um, It causes a whole burden of symptoms and patients with ongoing active disease face uh, reduced quality of life uh, and reduced ability to work. Currently, patients with active disease are treated with either conventional or biologic therapies. The new biologic therapies, such as anti-TNF or anti integrin strategies, have a marked benefit in terms of reducing mucosal inflammation and improving quality of life, but there is a significant population of patients who are refractory to these treatments or who lose response over time. Some of these may be best treated with surgery particularly if the disease extent is limited but often in patients with extensive disease or in patients in whom an operation would leave a permanent stoma this is an inappropriate option and so the group of patients that we were studying in this trial was a group of people with treatment refractory active Crohn's disease in whom surgery was inappropriate.
0: So please could you briefly describe the treatment strategy that you tested how it works and why this is seen as such a promising approach for this population?
1: the treatment we were looking at was autologous stem cell transplantation. Crohn's disease occurs when the mucosal immune system develops an inflammatory response to aspects of the luminal microbiota, and that memory lymphocyte response drives ongoing inflammation. Current therapies, steroids, anti-TNF therapies, azathioprine are all designed to dampen down that uh, inflammatory response. Over the course of the last decade, there have been case reports showing a sometimes exceptional benefit from stem cell transplantation. And so that was the therapy that we were trying. What it involves is mobilizing patient stem cells using cyclophosphamide and a colony stimulating factor uh, to get the bone marrow stem cells into the circulation. You then harvest those stem cells using a dialysis-like uh, apparatus that uh, takes them from the peripheral blood and you store them. Once the stem cells have been stored, the patient undergoes a conditioning regime of high-dose uh, chemotherapy with cyclophosphamide, uh, an antithymocyte globulin, which destroys their uh, immune system. Uh, and then once that has happened, you can reinfuse their stem cells and therefore repopulate them without the previous immunological memory that drove their intestinal inflammation. So the reason that it's seen as a promising approach that gives the opportunity of resetting the immune system Uh, to one that is no longer reactive to the intestinal microbiota. Effectively, you're taking them back to the point before they had Crohn's disease. Clearly, because it is an autologous uh, transplant and using their own stem cells, there is always the possibility that they could redevelop the disease if they have uh, a genetic or an environmental uh, precipitant. But at the point after the transplant, uh, they are free from disease. So uh, the reason we designed the trial uh, was to test uh, in a uh, robust way, the case report evidence of efficacy of this technique.
0: So the primary results of this trial published in JAMA were negative. So what's different about these results and what does it mean for the patients?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, the primary uh, trial, which was called the ASTIC trial, was really designed to test two questions. Firstly, does stem cell transplantation cure Crohn's disease? Do patients experience a prolonged remission free from therapy? And secondly, does that benefit come from the high doses of cyclophosphamide used, which in its own right could be considered a treatment for Crohn's disease, or is it the process of transplantation uh, that is required to get the benefit? So in order to test the first point, does it cure Crohn's disease, we used a really stringent primary endpoint at one year. So patients to meet the primary endpoint had to be off all medication for three months. They had to be in clinical remission using a Crohn's disease activity index of less than 150, and they had to have no evidence of mucosal ulceration on upper GI endoscopy, colonoscopy and small bowel imaging. So effectively, it was the toughest primary endpoint that's ever been used in a uh, trial of Crohn's disease. In order to answer the second question as to whether it was the mobilization cyclophosphamide dose used or the subsequent transplant that created the benefit, All patients in this trial underwent mobilization with really quite high doses of cyclophosphamide, two grams per meter squared on two occasions. And then after they had had successful stem cell harvest after the mobilization, they were then randomized to continue with conventional care throughout that year where they could receive any nutritional, biological or conventional therapy, or to undergo conditioning and then have uh, the chemotherapy to ablate their immune system and subsequent stem cell rescue. So in this trial, not only did it have a really stringent primary endpoint, all patients also received cyclophosphamide at reasonably high doses at the beginning of the trial. And as you quite correctly say, uh, the primary endpoint of the trial was met by few patients in either group. So the original ASTIC trial was negative. It clearly showed the fact that uh, stem cell transplant did ne- not meet the rigorous uh, endpoint that we used. So then the question was, what's different about these results? Well, patients who received conventional care after their mobilization were eligible to undergo a transplant at the end of the one year when the primary endpoint had been assessed. So, in fact, we actually, rather than transplanting the 23 patients that were reported at the primary endpoint compared to the conventional group, uh, we transplanted 40 patients because another uh, 17 underwent transplant at the end of the one year. Also, uh, we wanted to assess uh, the outcome of uh, transplant using more convention endpoints, the sort of endpoints that you might see in clinical trials of novel biologic therapies. So the new results that we're publishing in Lancet Gastroenterology Hepatology are different from the original trial because they contain the results of all patients who underwent transplantation, not only those who did it as part of the controlled clinical trial, but also those who did it after the primary endpoints has been assessed. Uh, But it also assessed endpoints that would be more traditional uh, for clinical trials in patients with Crohn's disease.
0: So, of course, some patients responded better than others. Could you tell us about some of the characteristics that are associated with a more favorable response? And maybe you could touch a little bit on uh, which characteristics were affected, side effects as well.
1: Yes, so the main key results of the manuscript that we've now published were that although in the controlled ASTIC trial, the primary endpoint was not met. Uh, A significant number of patients do undergo benefit from this procedure. So a significant percentage of patients met the uh, clinical remission uh, endpoint, for example, uh, Crohn's activity index less than 150 off steroids for three months at one year. Likewise, 50% of patients had no evidence of ulceration uh, on colonoscopy uh, at uh, one year after transplant. So although, as I say, the primary trial was negative, when you looked at aspects of that very stringent primary endpoint, clinical remission of steroids, mucosal healing, and those will be endpoints that are much more uh, traditional in uh, clinical trials, a significant number of patients met those endpoints. So then you go on to say, what were the characteristics that were associated with a more favorable response? And it was perhaps, as you would expect, it was patients who were earlier in their disease duration. It was patients who had evidence of considerable inflammation driving their symptoms, so those with an elevated endoscopic score of activity. Likewise, we also looked at at, at what factors were associated with side effects. Because One thing we've not mentioned is that this procedure, stem cell transplant in this trial, was associated with a significant burden of morbidity. And in the control trial, one patient died from the procedure. So it really is very important to try and identify factors associated with these side effects. Uh, And we showed that uh, factors associated with uh, developing serious adverse events, the majority of which were uh, treatment-related infections and sepsis, uh, were the presence of perianal disease at including the trial, uh, and being a smoker. Uh, And so those combined, both prognostic factors for a good outcome and prognostic factors for a bad outcome, uh, can be used for the design of future trials.
0: Now, interestingly, this study didn't include a control group who received conventional care. Could you discuss how the results of the study compare to those seen with conventional treatments?
1: I think that's a very important point. Because of the second question that we were trying to answer, was it the cyclophosphamide or the transplant, we compared cyclophosphamide alone effectively to cyclophosphamide plus full bone marrow transplant. So there was no true conventional arm. If you look at the pooled outcome from all patients undergoing transplant, and that's the data that's shown in the Lancet gastroenterology hepatology paper, you can see obviously it's not a controlled trial. There is no true control group, uh, but you can see that the endpoints in terms of steroid-free uh, clinical remission and mucosal healing compare very favorably uh, with trials of uh, some of the biologic agents, particularly given that this population, the population that we were studying, was a group of patients who had been refractory uh, to all previous biologic therapies. And we know that that's a cohort that have a diminishingly lower benefit from sequential therapies. So 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 it really showed, uh, in an uncontrolled trial, quite surprising benefit compared to what one might expect with, say, the next biologic therapy that might be launched in the future.
0: Uh, So finally, the big question, what more needs to be done before this treatment becomes a clinical option for these patients?
1: So in my opinion, we do need a further trial, uh, and certainly that is something that we are planning. Uh, We need a further trial that compares Uh, conventional treatment from the outset to bone marrow transplants, effectively a much more simple trial design. Take patients with treatment refractory disease and randomize them at outset uh, between ongoing conventional therapy using whichever biologic therapies are available to mobilization and transplant. And then you will get that true fair comparison between conventional therapy and transplantation. The other thing we need is a assessment of whether you can maintain the benefit that we saw in the ASTIC trial using lower doses of cyclophosphamide both at mobilization and also in the conditioning regime in the hope that this will maintain efficacy while reducing the burden of side effects that we saw within the ASTIC trial that I think makes it a...